filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter. You deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Previously on Filibuster. Jason, you're going Notes. to Erie. Yeah, I, I, that happened to today. <laughs> and now it's now. That bit was not well thought out. No, we didn't plan this. Uh, well, we, we planned it, just not all the way. It's the start of a plan, and then it just sort of trailed off. Um, I did. I did that. Um, I did not go to Lake Erie, which I probably said several times, because... Lake Erie is a great lake, whereas Erie is a small city. It's an okay lake. It's a great lake in that there are uh, several great lakes. There are several lakes working together as a team to call themselves the Great Lakes. Like a band. Jason, do you know how many great lakes there are? Five. Okay. Um, But yeah, I I drove up. I had a... um, as as if if you listened last week, you know that literally during the show, uh, I was arranging this with a friend of mine. His um, company found itself in a bind, uh, and he had to be in one place, and he needed someone to get to uh, Erie. It turned out to not even be Erie. It was like a town next to Erie, um, a town, I guess, technically west of Erie, um, to pick up something that actually turned out to be, um, without going too far in the details, uh apparently it wasn't even like correct there was something wrong with it um but this the the fact that he got it to where it needed to go absolved him of any blame um but yeah so uh erie and towns west of erie are both around like six hours 15 minutes uh drive um with a with you know an allotment for stopping for uh food um so we were recording at like I don't, I don't know. Like, I think I, I signed on officially for this thing after 10 PM. Um, and I had to depart before 5 AM. Um, so I got a small amount of sleep. Uh, I drove North. Uh, I stopped in, uh, the cursed earth that is Breezewood, Pennsylvania, uh, Ugh. to get breakfast. Um, and, and which awful. of the many blazing neon signs did you stop under? Uh, McDonald's because it was the first one. <laughs> um, they're clever also, like that. The, the the fast food places in Breezewood, uh, there aren't are terrible. Well, well, they aren't like the like there are fast food places that are known for breakfast, or at least partially known for breakfast. Um, but none of them are in Breezewood. I feel like um, I didn't notice any of the other places where I'm like, that's that's a place with breakfast stuff. Well, and also, all of the places in Breezewood are like the the truck stop version of yes. those restaurants. Yes, except for the McDonald's, which is a McDonald's. Um, you actually, I don't even know if you could get a truck in there. Their drive-through is kind of small. Um, but the the other issue is that there's a pandemic, uh, and I did not want to enter any buildings I didn't have to enter. Um, so drive-through was the number one qualifier for anything. Um, so the option of like going into a, I think there's like a Dunkin' Donuts inside one of the large rest stop kind of places, but it's in the there. Worst and I'm like, donuts. I, I don't know if they're the worst or not. I haven't been to that one. Um, no, no, no. Just Dunkin' Donuts in general. Oh, oh. I don't know if they're the worst. Their donuts suck. I've had worse. That seems harsh. I have Many grocery store donuts <laughs> are, are definitely worse. Than Wawa. Dunkin'. Wawa has much better donuts than Dunkin'. Depends on what kind of donut you're getting. We're getting... This we're getting a very Pennsylvania... We haven't even gotten past these right wood. now. Um... And I also yeah. have an eerie Pennsylvania story. Um, so I was driving. I've been. To, I've driven to Pittsburgh. I've driven this path to Pittsburgh, but I've never gone further north of Pittsburgh. I've gone further west, but never further north. Um, I just assumed blindly that there was like something between 
the two because I saw on the map uh -oh. it was a long stretch of road. Sorry. There is nothing between there. Um, <laughs> it is just a long drive with nothing to see except maybe a mild worry that that if you remember the Obama quote about people clinging bitterly to guns and religion, there's a lot of that. Uh, I felt like I felt like this is where he was talking about. Um, and that was it. So for a long time, there was just nothing. And I was like, this just keeps going. Like no, nothing is happening. Um, but once you get up towards the lake itself, things start to, you know, get a little more um, populated. And, and there appears to be like, you know, places for people to work and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, I got there, received the uh, the thing. I was at that the place for like 10 minutes tops. Um and then I was like, I need to eat. And I looked at um, the Google map for the area and saw Wendy's or Taco Bell. And I was like, well, Taco Bell, I kind of want Taco Bell because I kind of want a um, highly caffeinated drink. And I feel like uh, the Mountain Dew products are more caffeinated than Coca-Cola. Um, and so yes. that was that that alone is what sent me to Wendy's or Taco Bell instead. I got drive through Taco Bell. Uh, I parked in the furthest corner of their parking lot so that I could be away from everyone. Um, not that they were they were drive through only, so it didn't matter. Um, I stood next to my car, eating Taco Bell, drinking my, my delicious Baja Blast. Uh, and I say that as someone who tries to avoid drinking soda whenever possible, because when I do drink soda, I want to drink like 16 gallons of soda. So I have to keep a soda at a very uh, a firm arm's length, more than six feet social distancing between me and sodas. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and then I drove back and that I felt fine. And then that drive that like stretch between there and Pittsburgh, it just took the wind out of my sails. Oh, uh, yeah. cause there just, there wasn't anything. And I had at this point been driving longer than I had slept. Uh, and I still had many hours of driving ahead of me and the knowledge, the combination of those things and a lack of distractions. It was like, oh, this is, this is, this is rough. So um, while, while I worked at the library of Virginia, we mm -hmm. had a pot, we had a conference in Erie, Pennsylvania. And okay. while I was there, the only thing of interest at the conference was that we got to like hang out on a boat, like a ye oldie times boat for mm -hmm. one of our events. But I either got conference crud or food poisoning or something. And uh, feeling sick driving down 79 and then on the Pennsylvania Turnpike where you cannot get off or otherwise they will charge you money is one of the worst feelings I've ever felt. So that is my experience of Erie, Pennsylvania and, uh, and I-79 and the Pennsylvania Turnpike. The, the only things I know about Erie, because again, I didn't really go into Erie itself. It's an industrial um, wasteland. It's a place that's not actually that big, but we know about it because it has the name Erie, uh, which is a, it's not spelled the same, but it's a word meaning something else. It's unusual for you to name your town that. And uh, if you're into true crime, the guy that had the collar bomb placed around his neck and was made to rob a bank, uh, you might've seen the oh, Netflix yes. documentary, uh, Evil Genius. Um, that happened in Erie, Pennsylvania. Those are the two things I know about Erie. Um, I know and... I'm not making, I know I'm stealing this line from somebody else but that is a bold statement to make for your uh for your uh documentary name about just a guy in erie pennsylvania evil genius come on now uh well the 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 people that appear to be responsible were never actually convicted so if they're not evil geniuses they're at least uh evil gifted i guess i've spoiled the entire documentary uh so <laughs> uh screw you listeners i guess <laughs> I I know next to nothing about Erie, Pennsylvania, but I vaguely remember the show uh Erie, Indiana. So Yes. Has nothing to do with it. Hey, hey, welcome Why? in. Why would you name a show Erie, Indiana when there's a a different American city named Erie? Or is there It was spelled also... the other way. It was spelled like no, the I know, way. But why wouldn't you just like tack the E on there and set your show slightly to the east? Well, I mean, you have all of Ohio in the way. You'd have to fight through that. Slightly uh, to the east. <laughs> um, I think they, they wanted the uh, the assonance of Erie, Indiana, like the, the play of the sound. Oh, okay. And they okay, also I didn't accept mean, that. I yeah, accept Indiana that. is, okay. and Indiana is, is Erie. Just look at Stranger Things. 
Look at Adam. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Ben is a Jerk podcast. Uh, I was going to say Erie, Pennsylvania, but Ben Ben threw me that at the end there. Uh, I am Adam Taylor, originally from Indiana, now in Washington, D.C., uh, joined as always by Ben Bromley, our Ohio native who lives in Virginia, and Jason Anderson, who stands Maryland and only Maryland. We are all from blackandredunited.com. We talk about and write about D.C. United. Tonight, we are going to be talking about the MLS is Back tournament, which finished up on Tuesday night. Uh, the Portland Timbers are your champions there, and we're going to talk about uh, the tournament generally, the final, whatever we happen to get to. And in the second segment, we will look ahead to DC United resuming regular z- season play, which uh, is currently scheduled to happen in less than two weeks' time on August 21st. Before we get to anything, though, Ben, let's bury the hatchet here. What are you drinking? I'm sure this has a name, but I could not find a name for it because I just decided to do it. I took uh, vodka. I took ice. I took raspberry jelly. I put it all in a uh, in a uh, mixing glass, shook it up, poured it into my uh, lowball glass, and that's what I'm drinking with a little bit of uh, soda water on top. I was looking for something like we, we had a lot of soda water and not any other mixers. So I was like trying to find something to flavor soda water besides just like lemon juice or lime juice. And I was just like, yeah, so let's just vodka, raspberry jelly and some bubbles. Yes. But I mix up that the... a drunk Alaska. Okay. You have to set it on fire. I'm not going to. Well, <laughs> fine. Go against tradition. Okay, I will. I've got some Basil Hayden's in a glass. It's pretty good. It, it's it's no drunk Alaska, but I don't have a drunk Alaska. I didn't set it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, it's no half-assed drunk Alaska, but it's 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 a pretty good bourbon. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I guess I guess it's going to be a majority for bourbon tonight. Um. The consequences of my quick drive uh, up to uh, northern northern Here Pennsylvania included uh, my friend uh, paying me money for my time, but also as a uh, thank you for um, coming through in in quite not quite the, the the final hour, but pretty close to it for him. Um, he gave me a bottle of Knob Creek Select uh, single barrel. It's a uh, hundred twenty proof. Um, so I've got that on the rocks and it is pretty dang good. Nice. It's got like a, it's got like a fruitiness to it, um, which is really interesting. A raspberryness? Not quite. I didn't throw in, uh, any raspberry jam. I actually don't have any raspberry jam. So even if I had been tempted to open a brand new bottle of bourbon for the first time and just throw some jam in it, um, I wouldn't have been able to. This This is just like a week in a row. Jason, you and I have managed to, to land on basically the same drink a little, well, now little less involved than palomas high pressure uh for next week yeah uh we got to see what bet mgm puts them the money line at for <laughs> for that one or or whatever strange uh strange adventures one of us gets into in the next six days uh i will say right now no one has asked me to drive six hours in any other direction since we started this show hasn't happened yet you should drive six happen. hours you never know six hours east I mean, I feel like I wouldn't get very far uh, because most of the time I, my car would be underwater and not really moving forward. Right. You know, not with that attitude you want. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've never driven it into the water, so I can't say conclusively, but I'm pretty sure it's not uh, an amphibious vehicle. My three-year-old the other day put together some Duplo Legos and said, here, Daddy, it's a truck boat. So if he there can do go. that you know, you can have a car boat or just drive. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Portland Timbers are the champions of the MLS's back tournament. The, the first champions of the MLS's back tournament. Who knows? Per- perhaps uh, the only, perhaps only I, I 
think it's possible they will be the first of the annual MLS's back champions. We shall see. Um, 35-day adventure in Bubblery has now come to an end with their 2-1 to win over Orlando City on Tuesday night. Any thoughts just generally on this looking back? I know we all had our doubts about whether it would work, especially early on uh, as teams struggled to get into the bubble and multiple games were delayed. But the bubble worked. They got through it. Once the teams actually successfully got through the airlock and into the bubble, it was a safe environment. And uh, it, it was safe in... Utah for NWSL, once teams got in there, NBA and WNBA and NHL seem to also be handling the bubble well. So kudos to MLS uh, for, you know, making it work, being this only the second league to to successfully navigate the bubble. I have two thoughts. First thought, I'm glad Orlando lost. I remain anti-Orlando. This is well known on this podcast and this website. You and Rob Usri need to to start a podcast where you just fetch no. about Orlando. No, we don't. This is, this I mean, is good I enough. I, I, would, I just like their failures. Uh, second, I'm, I'm, I'm loath to admit this, but I've come around to Adam's position of uh, there should be some sort of MLS's back tournament uh, annually. Yeah, I don't know if it should be at the beginning of the season, in the middle of the season, or what. But I have been—I have come around to Adam's position that chaos reigns. Yes, I—I I will say if they're going to do it again, do not do it in the summer. No, uh, yeah, no. the soccer in MLS February. is notoriously the worst in the summer, especially not in Orlando in humid. the summer. Yeah, uh, yeah, Orlando is like a force multiplier for playing through the summer, but. Um, if if they're going to do it, and I'm not, I'm still not completely convinced that we don't already have enough soccer uh, for the the teams to play. Um, if teams want to start taking something a little more seriously uh, that's outside of Major League Soccer's regular season, might I uh, point you towards the Open <laughs> Cup? Um, but uh, if if they're going to do it, or it the Champions be... League, right, right, Bruce don't Arena? rotate don't send in your absolute bottom of your roster for continental competition. If you happen to get there, congrats to Portland for doing so. I don't think they're going to be a team that does that. They're probably going to try. Um, Bruce Arena. Actually, I think if you put um, MLS is back in late January into February in the lead up to those first CCL games, you can, teams can take it more seriously because they're not coming in completely cold. But so you're no, also no, asking no teams, preseason, right? Like the you, first thing you're doing is the, well, they can't. So the, the CBA, is, the CBA doesn't allow for it. You have the, to, you the, have to create a whole new CBA that we just created. Yeah, that's start at um, least January one. Does the CBA say the preseason can't start before New Year's? Yes, I actually don't know. Okay, it has it has specified dates as to when training is allowed to begin. Um, okay which is why every year, like the teams that are in the CCL get a one week head start. Um, well, that's yeah. why they could take, that's why they could take the people who contracts were expiring in December, but hadn't yet expired to Indonesia when DC United went to right. Indonesia. This is a, a deep cut. Um, <laughs> it is. But it's yes, the, the miseries of the 2013 season did not end when the regular <laughs> season ended. They still had two games to go play in Indonesia. Um, so, so if the players association were amenable, I we already know the league wants to in a, a non-pandemic year they want to end the season early in November, um, like yes. MLS Cup first weekend of November as opposed to first or second week of December. Um, you take November off, most of December off. You start preseason uh, right after Christmas let teams let players spend Christmas with their families. Then you start preseason. And at the end of January, you go into, or even the third week of January, however long of preseason you need, um, you go into preseason and then I mean, MLS is back and then into CCL. The players would have to be amenable to it. They would have to agree to it. And that's correct and proper in the way it should be. 
but that would be that would be my preference because then you can start the season earlier the period after the super bowl is kind of a wasteland sports wise there's not a lot of high stakes sports happening in the month of february um and then you can get into the regular season and teams already have a few games under their belt and you get yeah this world cup style tournament that just is chaos personified and i'm for it yeah i wouldn't want it to count for regular season standings in a real year in a in a non-pandemic year i understand why they did it this year but oh i'm fine with uh, counting it for regular season even no i don't no, i disagree with that wholeheartedly and yeah and i'm not i'm not at all on um <laughs> but um I think it would be a lot better than these ridiculous preseason games that we've seen for the past 10 plus years. Uh, if you just make the MLS, seen. well, or haven't seen, if you make the MLS less back, and less often, <laughs> right. If you make the MLS's back tournament, like kind of more important than preseason games, but, but still not counting for a regular season, then sure. Yeah. It sounds great. But I wholeheartedly agree, agree with Jason. They should not count for, regular season standings in any way, shape or form. And the the reason I would say that is that if you play it as the preseason, then they're preseason games. Um, and so if you're telling teams, there's an incentive, you have to go play these games seriously. Then a lot of your players aren't getting the actual preseason matches that they need to prepare for the regular season. You're well, going and, to have teams, which is why not... I was calling for moving preseason earlier. Yeah, but that's right. But, but then you're not the going to get you're not going to get you're not going to get young players getting their opportunities in this season well, if it counts for regular season points. You're going to get you're just going to you're going to get forty five games of uh, Frederick Briant instead of any games for Donovan Pines. But and and I, I this is the thing is I'm not necessarily against it counting for something. I just I don't know where you can put it. Um, to make that actually viable. If you play it too early in the year, it's, it becomes preseason. And if you make it com a competitive preseason, um, then you're going to run into teams taking risks that they shouldn't and ending up with injury crises that they wouldn't have had. Otherwise um, you're going to see teams potentially missing the playoffs uh, due to, um, you know, having been really good during the actual regular season, but maybe deciding, you know what, let's play it safe uh, and and treat MLS's back as our preseason. So we're going to rotate. We're going to sub uh, 11 players in at halftime. We're going to play draft picks. We're going to let um, some guys from our affiliate team compete and see if they deserve a spot on the roster. Um, yeah. If you play it after MLS, or if you play it in the summer, like I already said, you know, the soccer, let's be honest, the soccer at MLS's back was often not very good. There was a lot of chaos and a lot of angry yelling that is characteristic. If you watch the teams play in Orlando or in Houston, for that matter, you see a lot of teams that are just kind of irritated because they don't want to really be outside in this brutal humidity. Um, and it's not fun. And so they get mad. And, you know, it's not necessarily the most conducive environment to playing soccer. And on top of the you get tired and can't function. Um, yes. If you play it that after MLS Cup, um, I mean, that's probably, to me at least, that seems to me the best time to do it. But, that you know, MLS Cup is kind of like, and we're done. And yeah. then if you immediately then roll into another thing, it's like, what do you mean we're not done? Um, so some teams would be like, this is great. Like, I have unfinished business. Like, DC United in 2018 and, and to a lesser extent 2019 would have been like, we have unfinished business. This is our chance to do something about it and at least get something out of this year. But for the teams that went further in the playoffs, they might be like, I, I don't feel like being here. Now those teams could then be like, screw it. Our kids are going to play. Um, we're going to try and win these games, but we're also going to rotate heavily. Um, right. But, I, but I, I, I like well, it I in the beginning of the year where uh, teams can uh, play their kids, play their fringe players. And if it, doesn't work out it, it's not a 
huge knock against them, but it gives them the chance to play them in real games that mean something, mean more than a typical preseason games against Jan Coppings or Malmo or whatever. If but you're subbing 11 players at halftime. No, no, no. You play real rules. You play real rules. Not 11 play, not 11 subs. But then, See, I, but then you're running into the fitness problem. Right. And that's why I say you have a full preseason leading up to MLS is back. Just like we have a full preseason leading up to first kick. Now it's just, instead of first kick, you have everything is pushed earlier in the calendar a little bit. And you have, there's not enough time in the calendar. The, All right. The math doesn't I, I, I'm back against MLS is back now. Adam has convinced me that it's wrong. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so, so Adam, what you're talking about, um, if we're saying a full preseason, uh, that's generally six weeks. MLS's back was 35 days. Um, so if we're starting at on New Year's Day, for example, we're running into March. If we're pushing it Which further, like I, you, you would have to start the preseason not just at Christmas, but like second week right. of December um, to have time to start the regular season at a normal time to have time to get MLS Cup in line for the November date that the league wanted to and correctly wanted to try this yeah. year. And then everything was ruined by uh, a pandemic and a terrible response uh, to that pandemic. Um, right. So, yeah. So yeah. there I mean, is, it about is how long the off season is and how yes. long we've talked about how long preseason is, how it seems interminable. Well, it seems long because we're bored. I wonder. Yeah. Cause we're bored <laughs> and because yeah. the games are happening and we can't watch them. And that's but why the game whether, shouldn't mean as much. The preseason needs to be as long if the off season is only five weeks long. Yeah. So, so then it's well, which is it which is another question whether that's desirable? Right. right. Because the the because the off season is a variable um, for how long it is depending on how well you did in the playoffs. Right. Um, so for some teams, it's like great. I'm I'm so glad that we can get back going. Um, this you know the interminable off season. If you miss the playoffs. Uh, is terrible. No one, no one enjoys it. Everyone's unhappy about it. Um, but if you go to MLS Cup, uh, you're not getting a lot of time to just get yourself what, back together before you got to get going again. What if MLS Cup? Or not, what if MLS is back? Is everyone who missed the playoffs and maybe the people who lost in the first round? That's a little more interesting. I don't know what you do with the best teams, um, but I do think for the teams that otherwise just have a gigantic uh, gap in their calendar at the end of the year. Um, I think it's it makes more sense. After you, uh, if if we treat it right. Like, like we treat it like uh, an MLS only version of the Europa league. Yeah. Um, so, so no one, no one that won anything gets to play in it. Um, right. But uh, so 2013 DC United is out. They won the. Right. They're not. It's, they're not in. No, no, right. The cup winners' cup got folded into Europa League, so which is a a goddamn shame. Um, <laughs> for, for people who are for people for people who haven't been following soccer for long enough, Europe used to have three competitions. They had the Champions League. They had what is now the Europa League. It used to be the UEFA Cup. But then they also had the Cup Winners Cup, in which the national cup winner for every country was entered into a tournament. So if where, we were like, go ahead, Ben. Where does the Intertoto Cup fit into this? The Intertoto Cup was a qualifying tournament to get into the Europa League only. Um, <laughs> uh, I do not know where the name Intertoto comes from. Uh, I don't believe it is. I think it's like a French slang kind of thing. Like it. But I, I don't know. Um, yes, the Intertoto Cup, the, speaking of calendars, the Intertoto Cup started like a couple weeks after the season ended. Uh, if you got stuck in that, you were screwed. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I think maybe there is a way to do this if you're willing to extend the preseason into the the previous year on the calendar. Um and maybe Ben's idea, Ben might be on to something by saying, you know, the teams that went deep in the playoffs, uh, either they don't have to participate in the whole thing or they don't have to participate at all. Maybe they get a buy um, of some sort so they can start their preseason on a scale so that they still have the same amount of time to do preseason, but they don't have um, these extra games to deal with. And so their players just get wiped out uh, after, you know, 
a yearly grind without enough downtime. Cause like MLS right now has too much downtime for the, for most players. Um, right. This is one of the few things that even Jurgen Klinsmann managed to figure out was that right. yeah. the league like, off season was too big. Yeah. Especially like with the new calendar, if DC United loses in the first week of October, then they don't play again until February. That's, that's awful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's bad for fans. So, it's bad for players. Yeah. Going, going into more in Ben's direction, maybe the group stages are for everyone who misses the playoffs and then the first round playoff losers, just like uh, the champions league qualifiers, the, the drop down to the Europa third, the third place teams yeah from the group stage of the champions league drop down to europa you lose in the first round of the playoffs you drop down into this consolation maybe tournament round. maybe the second round like the first round playoff teams their season lasts like three days longer than the teams right. that didn't make the playoffs so they right. should probably get dumped into the group the, the early stage yeah. i feel like I draw the line at playoff qualification just so that you can play those those games at the same time um then again, no, no, no. They, they need a little, but they need a little more space than that. They can't be playing these two tournaments uh, con- concurrently, can't they, Ben? No, <laughs> I, if, I don't. I, I have trouble. You, you keep drawing me in, and then you p- propose these ridiculous statements, and I cannot <laughs> deal with them. So, let's move on. Now that we have been back in his more comfortable position opposing this extra tournament <laughs> for the third time, um, we saw two kind of models of play in in the MLS's back final and in the the strong sporting tradition of reading entirely too much into very small sample sizes. Um, we saw the Timbers mid block and counterattack and capitalizing on set pieces against Orlando's. Uh, new look focused on possession and counter pressing. Um, Jason, what, what what were your thoughts on the final? Uh, I mean, it, it went pretty much as as I would have expected. Um, yeah, I I figured that Portland was going to come out and play low block um, and try and play via the counter or you know use some. They had uh, I think a set piece advantage. Um, in that Orlando set piece defending didn't strike me as particularly good. It wasn't that Portland has a bunch of like six foot three guys. It was just that um, Orlando seemed to have a weakness there. Um, It's just, it's also Gio Severese. I think that's what he's comfortable with. Um, I think that's the vision of the game where he feels at home. Um, It's not necessarily the most fun uh, to watch, but it has its moments. Um, It's, it's like a nineties throwback. It feels like watching Syria in the nineties. Um, I mean, it also feels a little comfortable as a DC United fan. To a certain extent, I think we're not necessarily as refined uh, about doing that. It becomes more of a like, well, we can if we have to. And they're like, we are going to yeah. do this. Um, but yeah, I, they did what I thought they were going to do. Orlando did what I thought they were going to do as well. They, Oscar Pereja looked at what he had and said, this is a possession team. We're a possession team now. Um, and to his credit, he's turned a group that was fairly bad uh with only modest i mean yes mauricio Pereira is a pretty good addition um but he's not like a world beater that they brought in that's going to be best 11 um and they don't really have a forward uh dom dwyer didn't do much before he got injured um tesho akindele is a good player yeah after. well he i mean he's a good player to have on your team uh but yeah. he's not he should not be a starting striker um for anyone in the league but they don't really have a forward. So that's what they're dealing with. Um, but I, I was impressed with Orlando's improvement uh, at, just in general, um, kind of across the board. Um, this wasn't a particularly good team last year, as we well know, and they didn't have major additions and yet they are much better. They, you know, I guess Antonio Carlos uh, did pretty well, the center back they have on loan that they should figure out how to make that loan permanent because Generally speaking, Orlando's center backs have been almost universally bad. Um, they finally got one that's definitely not universally bad. So they should try and keep him if he if he wants to stick around. Um, but yeah, it, it was it would have been a better game in better conditions. Uh, there was a lot of angry yelling. Um, Sebastian Blanco and Oscar Pereja having an argument uh, was a, a highlight in its way, but not necessarily a soccer highlight. It was more of a comedy highlight. Um, but yeah, the, 
pulling Blanco aside just to yes. talk him and, down. The, the, the field mics and that stuff, that, that aspect was pretty nice. We got to hear yeah. more about um, what was actually, what actually gets said in these moments. Um, so yeah, the game went pretty much, I, I thought it was going to be one, nothing. It ended up being two, one. Um, and, you know, Orlando's problem, I think, was that they just they didn't have anywhere to go once they once they fell behind a second time the uh, the Zuparic goal um, they were kind of sunk at that point like they their first goal they got back in part because of energy um, they still had some legs and at that point in the game they didn't really have much in the tank and by the end of the game they were looking at honestly some like USL caliber players coming into the mm-hmm. game like Benji Michel has a future in MLS, but right now he is a USL caliber player. Um, Santiago Patino is in the same boat, maybe slightly less good than Michel. Um, Kyle Smith had to come in at the end for uh, Juan, who is hurt. Um, and again, this is another, he's, he's a replacement level player in MLS, if if we're being honest. So uh, Orlando just had nowhere to turn. Um, and that's their problem. It's, you know, credit to them for getting that far with a roster that is, you know, not bad, but is not deep. Um, but it did feel like a tournament final in that the team playing the sort of cunning, but not necessarily fun style of play was the favorite for a reason. And they played the game they wanted to play and they ultimately made it work. Um, I, I, also, I'm just—it's just now occurring to me again that we saw a headbutt and a kick in the face both go unpunished by, uh, yes. by red cards, uh, which is insane. Uh, those are those are things you can't do just because Viafania, you know, play acted. It's a headbutt, uh, and headbutts are pretty easy to call. Um, if you decide like, well, that guy headbutted that guy, even if he's acting like it's worse than it was, you still have to send him off. Um, it's a headbutt. There's no instance in the game in which uh, an off the ball headbutt is allowed. I mean, yeah, um, we, we we learned that in the 2006 World Cup final. Like, yeah, a headbutt uh, is a headbutt, right? Um, and I mean that was that was a, that was a little more dramatic. Um, yeah. sure. Nani Nani simply made the mistake that people inexplicably make all the time where they just sort of lean their head in a little. Um, I don't know why you, if if you've decided you're going to use where your brain sits to attack someone, I feel like you should at least go for it. Um, That's, that's, that's your only brain. That's your only human brain. You should not do that. You shouldn't headbutt anyone. Uh, but if you've made the decision to headbutt someone anyway, uh, you know, why are you bothering with the he- that kind of headbutt? And yet we see it all the time in soccer, just a little, like, head tap, headbutt? <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand the thought process that leads to that, but Nani did that and was not punished. He got a yellow card. Um, Nani was so not okay. Fanya. Um Yeah, that, I guess I mean, that's another thing with the final that is ringing true to me, is that as good as Nani was in this tournament, he was not a factor in the final i think he just didn't have anything left in the tank he was just tired everyone was tired it's it's yeah, orlando, orlando for orlando. 35 straight days of soccer you i mean in in orlando city i think they were saying nine of the 11 starters played and started every game well they should have been used to it yeah is, that is a lot over 35 days to play yeah. start <laughs> really? nonsense glad, days. glad they lost <laughs> um anything else we want to cover on the tournament before we we take a quick break and and come back i think i think we've said enough that's i mean that was true before we started so with that we will be right back stick around it's filibuster all right say you're at work and uh something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation whether a boss mistreated you you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right yeah you call the ehrlich law office because you have rights 
That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United are scheduled to play their next regular season game in just over one week from when we're recording this on Wednesday night. So, okay, MLS, we're doing this. Uh, the The plan is to play six games across three weeks from August 21st through September 12th uh, to run through DC United's schedule very, very quickly. At Cincinnati on Friday, August 21st, at home, Audi Field against the New England Revolution, Tuesday the 25th, at Philly, Saturday the 29th, at the Metros in Jersey, Wednesday, September 2nd, uh, home against NYCFC on the 6th, and uh, return date at home against the Red Bulls on Saturday, September 12th. Uh, The plan, it sounds like, is... Uh, to play these games at Audi Field. The home games for DC United will be at Audi Field, at least according to the schedule. I don't know if the city's approved that yet. No fans, however, unlike the game that's currently happening in Dallas right now, the first regular season game in the post-MLS's back world, um, where they have, I think, around 3,000 fans allegedly socially distancing throughout Toyota Park. Um MLS wants to have three of these six-game sprints over the next few months to to round out the regular season before they start an expanded playoff format. Who knows if this is going to work? Last week we talked about kind of some some doubts we have about whether you can pl- safely play games in markets. Um, I don't really have any any notes on on this other than running through the the plan at this point um i think there there shouldn't be fans uh dallas should not have fans they shouldn't need someone to tell them not to have fans uh dc should not be having to struggle with whether they should have fans or not it's an easy call um the fact that you're allowed to do something doesn't mean it's a good idea Um, as the uh as the uh jonathan van ness uh, meme going around says you amera can but could should you amera should i don't think that's the meme it's it's close enough it's not close (laughs) enough but you know what i mean i think i'd Um, be fit but uh as far as dc's schedule um there are some good opportunities to get some points there. Um, as much as it's hard to get hyper-confident, given what we've seen in five games so far, there's also not a, that's not a particularly talented list of opponents. You take Philadelphia out of there, and NYCFC is still figuring some things out. They've had some games where they look good and had some games where they did not look good. Um, the Red Bulls are not particularly talented. Um Everyone knows what they're going to do. They just aren't as good at it this time because their players aren't as good. Uh, and Cincinnati is Cincinnati. They they got some results at MLS's back by absolutely parking the bus and removing the engine block and uh, putting the engine block on the top of the bus. Um, and setting it on fire. Yeah, um, but that's and, not... And bouncing it in uh, Skyline Chile. <laughs> I would stay away from the goal. That was the case, yes. Burning Skyline Chili would right. keep me away from the goal. Uh, um, so yeah, on your point, Revolution Sands, Carlos Heel. Yeah, I mean, we saw we saw the Revs play fairly well, but I think that game was still mostly about DC just not playing very well with Heel in the game, and then he got subbed out, and thing they kind of fell apart. Um, now, granted, the goal that DC got was still 
a completely farcical uh, gimme goal, but the fact is the revs weren't very good um, on the day. Quite, it wasn't a good game all around. That and, was not a, a, an edifying spectacle. Um, to be clear, my so, comment is based on the fact that Carlos Heel is out for yeah, basically yeah, yeah, the rest of the season with, with yeah, an injury. Um, right. The, the, basically, his whatever they were worried about getting injured, it got injured um, that he was coming back from. So, um, yeah, it's not. I mean, yes, DC has work to do, but it's not to get through this six games and get 10, 11 points is not actually a big reach. They just have to be a little bit better um, than what we saw, which is not asking a ton. Right. I, I think we, we talked about this last week about how the results are kind of less important to us as fans right now for, for what we want to see happen with DC United. We want to see progress towards the plan that that was laid out at the beginning of the year where United is, is playing a, a more fun style and probably a more sustainable style for, for the personnel they have. And, you know, one that gives us a bigger margin for error. That said, DC United or the, the format this year with Nashville moving into the East effectively for, for the rest of this season means that the East has 10 playoff spots available, not just the usual seven. The West is going to have eight. So it's with as bad as DC United's start to the year has been, where they have, what, five points through five games, uh, counting the three at MLS's back, uh, that puts them in 10th place. They're currently in a playoff position right now because of the even more forgiving than usual playoff format. I don't think any of us on this podcast are going to judge the success or failure of this year by whether the black and red make the playoffs, but know that that is not just a possibility, but a likelihood unless they completely implode. I mean, um, it, it was likely that they were going to, it was likely that they were going to make the MLS's back knockout rounds. And we all know how that went. They did completely implode in one game. <laughs> Um, or at least just completely fail to perform. Uh, they they would have to do that on an even worse level <laughs> to to miss the playoffs. I think, um, which is why we're not going to be judging the season by whether they make the playoffs. It, I want process improvements. I want to judge on process. So uh, I just wanted to reiterate that point. Um, anything else on the schedule? About playing games and markets going forward. I mean, it, it's so up in the air. Like, I don't believe all these games are going to happen. Like, we've seen with Major League Baseball, we've seen with uh, sports being played not in the bubble that these games don't, uh, with USL, these games don't happen as scheduled. So, yes, that is the schedule as of right now, but who knows what is actually going to happen over the next four weeks with these games it's it's i i do not believe all these games are going to go off without a hitch at least one of these games is going to be rescheduled for whatever reason and well the reason is going to be because players test positive yes obviously obviously but whether it's dc united players or the opposition team players or whatever that that's yes but I don't think these games are all going to go off as scheduled. So, yeah, my question we'll, is: we'll just see. I, we'll just see what go. We'll just see what happens for the rest of the season because I don't think this part of the season is going to go off. Yeah, I think, like Major League Baseball, I think MLS is likely to power through it and just postpone individual games as they they have to. Um. My question is whether they will be able to make up all the whatever right, games exactly. they, they miss. or Because if not, you're going to have to go to something like points per game to determine who makes the postseason. And there's already a major asterisk on, on this whole season. So I'm not worried about them having to do that. But I, I wonder how dogmatic the league will be in trying to schedule reschedule games that, that get canceled or postponed or whatever you term you want to use. I mean, the the thing I will bring up is just that USL has had a bunch of, of 
issues that haven't really gotten a lot of traction for whatever reason. Um, Part of it is just it's the USL, so people tend to not pay close attention um, unless they're actually following a specific USL team. Um, But yeah, you know, when you hear stories like the Galaxy 2 having 11 positives and having multiple delays or um, Las Vegas has had, I think, two games in a row that have had to be postponed for positive tests. Um, just tonight, uh, Gary Smith is not coaching Nashville in person because he had a positive and then two successive negative tests, but that the second negative, um, I think this is from Drake Hills with the Tennessean, that the second negative didn't arrive in time for him to get on the plane, basically. Um, so he doesn't have coronavirus as of the last time he was tested, but we still had a false positive, which meant he couldn't travel. Um, so the first time we tried to get back to this, this, you know, something happened. We have something throwing it off. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I think Ben's right. Like we are going to see games postponed and these, these schedules do not allow for a lot of makeup dates. Um, six games in three weeks does not allow for you. Like if you have a game postponed in your, phase one of the three phases that they're talking about you're not going to make it up in that same phase it's going to be after um and at a certain point you're just going to run out of time uh mls is still talking about um a playoffs of the playoffs are supposed to start on november 20th and mls cup is supposed to be on december 12th which uh and we're talking about an expanded playoff so there's no time for makeups the the playoff the playoff setup they've got, they haven't announced a playoff schedule as to when the dates will be, but you just look at how many teams are in and know that even if everyone's playing one knockout game only and they're, and that's it, it's, it's win or go home, um, there's no time to make up any games in that. Like the playoffs have to go off without a hitch for it to fit right. into that window. Um, we have to hope the regular that- season, the regular season has very, very, a very slightly more flexibility, but only very slightly. Right. The no one is expecting a vaccine to to be deployed this year. No. Um it's certainly it's not, not in the amount that we would need to have a soccer season. Right. So yeah, please don't give it to there, our soccer players first. Yeah. There's very likely yeah. to still be community spread and transmission, at least in some markets, um come November. So it might just be that if if you have a positive test on your team, you just forfeit that game and you're out of the playoffs, which sucks. But that's kind of the one of the defining uh, I mean, characteristics of pandemics is they suck. They they could reschedule games if they got broadcasters and local um, authorities to agree to move the the games back. But like once you move one back, you have a cascade exactly. that follows that. Yep, um, exactly. So it's one first round playoff game gets moved back. That means you've got to move back all the other games, including MLS cup, which means you have to get ESPN or Fox to agree to that, which, you know, we already saw that the broadcasters want their content. Uh, they are not particularly interested in what you're telling them about why the content needs to change. They want their content. It's a lot like dealing with uh, a protection racket. Um, they don't really care why you didn't make the full uh, the full amount this month. They're there to collect. And if they don't collect, there are consequences. Um, and yes, I am comparing uh, the major MLS broadcast partners to the mob. In this in this case, I think they kind of operate in the same uh, kind. Of, I mean, they're not going to break someone's kneecaps, but they are going to say, hey, guess what? Uh, our bid for your whole TV rights thing that your whole league kind of hinges on as a business plan. Oh, maybe it's going to be lower this time. I don't right. know. That, that- they're going to break your economic kneecaps. Yeah. <laughs> There's the title of the show right there, Ben. Yep. Uh, moving out of the realm of the theoretical future world, uh, DC United player news rumors. Steve Goff of the Washington Post reporting on Twitter tonight that DC United are close to sending winger Emmanuel Boateng to Columbus in exchange for the the very large center back that is Axel Schoberg. Um and I, I'm sure when when Axel arrives there will be much consternation about how to pronounce his name. Um because there there are at least two ways of doing it the Swedish way and the accepted American way that's wrong but less wrong than other ways. Um more importantly though, 
uh, he is a big honk in center back, Jason. Uh, he is six foot seven. Uh, he would be the. <laughs> He's the a biggest... moose. He's literally yeah, the... a moose to play soccer. I I believe this would make him the tallest player on the team by a, a full two inches over Donovan Pines, who is already a very large man. Um, yeah, it's it's you know it's not a move that's going to like change the season or set anyone's pulses alight. Um, but at the same time, like I I feel like. We've spent a lot of time on this show talking about how DC United has multiple roster needs, and one of them is another center back. They only had three. That's not enough center backs to even play a, a back four. Um, you need uh, more depth than one replacement, and then after that, you immediately get into like, well, can one of the fullbacks play there? Or we, we've can talked Russell Canals play there? Yes. We have talked Couldn't about the possibility of Russell Canals. Inter squad um, scrimmage. Right. What if, so, what if we put Bill Hamid as a as a center back? I mean, it's not the best idea, but maybe it's not the worst idea. Jurgen Klinsmann is that you? <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we have to look at this from like is the is this the only move? Then that's a bad uh, transfer. The transfer window, by the way, opened uh, today as we record this. So. Um, really shouldn't be the only thing DC does, but it is taking care of a need. And it's also shipping out a player that was not going to get any playing time. And also like nothing playing time, even like right after they traded for him. Right. Like, like Boateng got here. He wasn't able to break through. He wasn't able to win his place in the, in the lineup outside of when there were injuries. Um, And even when he made the 18, he wasn't someone that Ben Olsen looked to, to put in the games. Um, He's not young, so he wasn't. It's not like oh, he can go play for Loudon on loan and get better. He's what he's going to be. Um, it hasn't worked out. It made sense on paper, but it hasn't worked out. So you've got a player that you know isn't going to thrive here. Um, that is now actually further down the depth chart than we thought because of Kevin Paredes breaking out. Um, down in Orlando, the one good thing that happened for DC United. Um, in in MLS's back was Kevin Paredes. Um. Griffin Yao got uh, minutes in the tournament ahead of Boateng. So you had to trade him. You had to do something with him. Um, addressing a roster need for a player that functionally was a void on the roster, that's good business. Um, we don't know the details. The The details weren't in the report. So um, it could be a player-for-player player swap. It seemed like Columbus um, – Schuberg in Columbus was the one extra center back that wasn't going to get a look for Caleb Porter. So it's kind of like, look, we got an extra guy that we're not going to use at this position. You got an extra guy at this position. Let's switch them so that at least our rosters both make a little more sense. Um, It could be something as simple as that. And that would make perfect sense to me. Um, If it's a, like DC is sending some gam or some Tam or draft picks or whatever, then I would start to be a little dubious about it. But at the same time, DC needs a fourth center back. Um, not just because you need four center backs, but also, you know, Donovan Pines needs to get games. And let's say, obviously what I think most of the fan base wants is to see him push Briant to the bench. But let's say that doesn't happen in training. Let's say that right now training's going on and Briant's playing better than him and, and he's clearly third. Um as long as you've only got three center backs, you can't send him on loan to go at least get games in for Loudon because you need him to be available for you with DC. If you bring in uh, Schuberg, who is 29 years old, he's the finished product already. He doesn't need games on loan to get better. You can now say, okay, for this, you know, this week, we're going to send Donovan on loan. He's going to play for Loudon for a couple games and, and then Loudon- come back. And Loudon has so many games. I think uh, Ryan Kiefer was saying they have like ten games in five weeks or something. I don't know. Yeah, they, it's it's they, they have a ton of games. They they basically Loudon's schedule was a very slow start early, uh, and it is about to round into becoming a sprint. Um, it's very close to the sprint portion of their schedule, and it's a yeah. longer sprint than the MLS phases are. Um, so they're going to have windows for people to play. Um, so this, this kind of, it helps with pines. Um, it also just, the team needs another center back. And we're talking about a guy that has 88 
MLS appearances. He has been a starter, maybe not on good teams, but you know, they're not asking him to come here and be a starter. No one's saying we turn to a guy that was on a non-playoff team and he's a starter now. This is a guy that was a starter at that level and is now the fourth center back, um, which is, you know, that's sensible. It, it makes sense. It's not a fun move, but it makes sense. Let's end the show there. It's not a fun <laughs> show, but it makes sense. I don't think either of those are true, actually. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening to whatever it was this was find us at blackandredunited.com find us at patreon.com slash filibuster on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red U for the website email is filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts please do you know put in a, a rating a review on on itunes or or stitcher or wherever you you do get your podcast mostly though tell a friend about the show that's the best way to spread the word um or so i'm told that's it for us we will talk to you real soon for for jason and ben i'm adam take care of yourselves say goodbye jason uh, the swedes <laughs> <laughs>